last couple of weeks, we've been walking through a series called Strengthen. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about being strengthened in the calling we have in Christ. Right? We started this morning just declaring that Jesus is Lord. So the calling to the universal reign of Christ. We talked last week about being strengthened and being formed in Christ. And I use this word, Christ-aformity, kind of big, long word that basically means we are formed into the image of Christ. And we talked the last couple of weeks how we find strength in those things. And the reason we've been talking about that lately is because many of us have felt the cracks of our own strength over the last several months. Um, obviously the normal stuff that will test our strength, but then this pandemic that we're in has definitely tested our strength and revealed some cracks in various parts of our lives. And so the heartbeat this month, and we're going to wrap it up today, is where do we find our strength? And here's a temptation that I know I face at times, and I bet you you face at times as well. And the temptation is to just do it alone. You know, you find a source of strength, you hang on to it and say, great, now I got this source, me and that source, great. Respond to the calling of Christ, um, be formed into the image of Christ. Even these two incredible things that are so um, core in what it means to follow Jesus, we can have this false perception about or this false premise about. And the false premise is like you and Jesus, me and Jesus, or some, maybe you've seen that hat, Jesus is my homeboy. Oh, I've followed the calling of Christ. I'm being formed into Christ. He's forming me. That's all I need. And you know what? That's actually a false premise. That's not all you need. You actually need more than that. And the scriptures lead us into that. Just before we jump into that theme, I was thinking about this. I don't know if some of you saw this, this recent documentary series on Netflix called The Last Dance. And it explores kind of the, the journey of Michael Jordan um, as a kid and then into college and then playing for the Chicago Bulls and um, the, the legacy of the Bulls as well. Well, Jordan, if you probably already don't know, Michael Jordan was just a phenomenal basketball player and a phenomenal athlete. And he dominated the court in any arena that he was in and he scored uh, more than anyone else and and interestingly enough obviously the Chicago Bulls took Michael and used him in a sense to help them win he was their star player well 1989 they're in the in the finals and they're playing the Detroit Pistons and the Detroit Pistons are a rough and tough team and so they're like looking at the Bulls and saying how can we eliminate them they got Michael Jordan. Well, what do you think their play was? Their play was, get Jordan, get the Bulls. Get Jordan down, we'll win. And their whole MO was, destroy Jordan, we'll win. And that's exactly what they did. The Bulls got, got eliminated. The Bulls were looking forward to possibly getting their first title, and the Pistons took them out of the race. And that moment, that moment when the Bulls realized We've just been re relying on Jordan this whole time. That set them off to change things up. And the coach actually talked to Jordan for the next season and says, asked Michael if he could help him build this team. To almost lay back a bit and to help everyone get built up around him and each other. They were kind of playing like they were the Chicago Bull and not the Chicago Bulls. And, but that all changed. And they began to realize that their strength in numbers, their strength in being a team, their strength 
in community. And that's, that's today's theme today, this idea that there's strength in community. We moved from the cracks to strength in our calling, strength in Christ's deformity today, strength in community. And if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to read this passage again that we've been kind of living out of the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to read several verses again. But here's, here's what I want you to notice, because last week we talked about how the master theme in this passage is growth and development. But I want you to notice the highlights of community, of plurality, of what it means to be a spiritual community in this. In fact, one of the things I love about the book of Ephesians is that the word you that Paul often uses throughout this letter is the plural version of you, of you not just the single version of you. And that encourages me so much. I hope it encourages you as well. Like early on in chapter one, Paul says, when you respond to Christ or turn to Christ, you become part of God's chosen people, God's chosen community. And this is all plays into Paul's you know, theme of being a community together and being God's people together. So let's, let's read it and I'll highlight as we go along a little bit. Verse one. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of who is the head, that is Christ. And from him, the whole body, joined, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God, just captivate our hearts as we reflect on these words today and how we find strength in community. Amen. Here's the big idea. The big idea I want to just walk through today is who we are and what we do. So first thing, who we are. You might even say what we have, but I'm going to term it this way. Who we are. We see this. Like Paul, as he he writes to this first century church and as we read these words, we get a sense of who we are and what we have together. And the first thing is he helps us understand we're joined together in Christ. Paul uses this little phrase, in Christ, several times in his letters to describe our identity and life found in Christ. But here, in this passage, he changes metaphors a bit. He talks about Christ being the head of the body. We're growing into Christ. And this this idea that every single follower of Jesus is interconnected with a central source. And that central source is Jesus. 
We see this early on in Paul's letter in Ephesians 2 when Paul talks about how at the cross and resurrection, Jesus reconciled us. He brings pieces together into oneness and we're reconciled vertically with God, but we're also reconciled horizontally with each other. And it's like these broken pieces kind of all being brought together to become one big picture. For some of the kids that are watching with us, think of Lego pieces all over the floor and then you're just slowly piecing them together to build whatever frame, whatever pictures on the box that you bought. Um, Jesus, incredibly, earlier on in the Gospels, tells his disciples these words. He says, when you love one another, when you show reconciliation with each other as a spiritual community, people will know who I am. Talking about Jesus. People will know that you are my disciples, Jesus says. Isn't that amazing? When you're reconciled, when you're a spiritual community, that's how people will begin to recognize who you are in Christ. And so it's this sense of spiritual community lived out. And it points to Jesus. This interconnectedness is exactly who you are and who we are and what we have in Christ. And it points to this other thing that, that we have and this other thing that we are, which is unity. Paul talks about this. Verse three, says, make every effort to keep the unity of the faith. Isn't it, it's amazing because Paul doesn't say create the unity, start the unity, catalyze the unity, make it up. No, 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 he doesn't say that. He says, you are united, keep the unity. In other words, keep what you have, this bond of peace that you find in Jesus Christ. And he expands it in the, the verse after that when he says you're one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one hope. This sense of being connected together and united each other. Paul says this is who you are. This is what you have. And he uses another phrase in this text, the phrase body. Verse 16, he says that we're, we're all each like, like body parts and ligaments joined together, supporting one another. In fact, he says it this way, that we're joined and held together by every supporting ligament. That is who we are. And T. Wright describes it this way, that the church is a complex, interdependent community. I kind of think about the difference between a puzzle piece and a shape. Like shapes, like have you ever tried to put a triangle and a circle together? They just don't work because one has curved lines and one has straight lines. Maybe you've like tried to put an octagon and a hexagon and you're like, oh, well, their lines don't perfectly match together. And shapes don't always connect that way. They're shapes. Puzzle pieces are shapes, but they have unique shapes. And they're all meant to interconnect to each other in some shape or form. And that reminds me of what the body is, every supporting ligament. In other words, we don't exist on our own. Puzzle pieces don't exist on our own. A, a puzzle piece off the board or out of the box or out of the picture lacks its full potential and purpose until it's integrated into the whole picture. Instead, we're called to thrive and survive in connection with each other. And so I want to say this about our strength and, and, and part of who we are. Our strength isn't in isolation. Our strength is in connection. Our strength is in spiritual community. Our strength is that each and every one of us, every supporting ligament builds each other up. Here's one other thing that we are or what we have, and it's this. We're equipped. We're an equipped people. 
Verse 11 says something um, interesting. It says, you know, Jesus has given uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You know, if we read that verse in isolation, we sometimes maybe have this idea that these titles are just titles or it's a platform or it's a position. But when we read it in the context of who we are, we're a joined together, united, equipped body. We start to understand that, that these gifts, this apostolic gift or pastoral gift or these leadership gifts, it's how the church is organized. All of a sudden, these gifts have a purpose. And I don't mean just all the gifts that each and every one of us have. That's all very, very valid. But that God actually designed it in such a way where, where there are these certain gifts that help bring the body together. And Jesus gives these people or gifts for the health of the church, not just the existence of the gifts. And, and like, I want to say this humbly for myself too. Like, I feel that part of my role... God has given me gifts like he's given you gifts and others in our church community. And then yet, I feel like part of the gift he's given me, and I sometimes feel like I have a little bit of an apostle gift, teaching gift, and um, I sense that there's, you know, it's not for me. It's not for a title. It's not for a name. It's not for an office. It's not for a platform. It's for none of that. It's for the health of the body. That anybody who God gives to the church for these specific purposes. It's for the health and growth of the body. So every single one of us are called to serve and support. We're equipped towards that. And so all this serves to build a healthy spiritual community on mission. Think about it. We're joined together, united, equipped as a body. And that leads us to not, now that's who we are, but this leads us to what we do. Because sometimes we can just say, well, like, well, I guess we can just let the church be the church or let the community be the community or it'll happen by itself. But we don't get this from Paul. There's no passive body parts here. There's no, you know, like, let's just kind of like let it happen. Yes, we say that Jesus builds the church and that's true. He is the head. He's our great shepherd. He's our ruler. But we get this invitation to participate from Paul. We aren't passive body parts. Oh, think about it this way. We build community, and then community builds us. I'm going to say that again. We build community, and then community builds us. Sometimes you're on the receiving end of, com of community, and then reciprocally, you build community. But just say that at home, wherever you are. We build community, and community builds us. And then when community builds us, it overflows, and we build community. How do we build it? Well, Paul, this unity that we have, this, this united people we are, Paul says, well, do something about it. He says, keep the unity of the faith. Make every effort to maintain it, to nurture it, to work it out. It's such a high calling. He's like, make every effort. Don't just stand there and let unity be unity. You need to make every effort to keep this unity and the bond of peace. Why? Because there's things that will want to tear up that unity, that will want to destroy that unity, that will want to uh, dampen or weaken that unity. And we're called to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Here's a couple of things we can do. We can pray for unity. How many times in the week do you actually pause and pray for the unity of the local church? 
If you're part of our Westside community, how often do you pray for unity in our own church? In unity among each other, unity in leadership, unity in mission, unity in spiritual care. Jesus prayed for unity. John 17, that whole passage, Jesus lays out his heart in prayer before the Father that his people, his disciples would be united, that they would be one as he is one. So if Jesus prayed for unity, and I invite us to, to several times in the week to be praying for the unity that we have. But then there's ways to look for that unity and to celebrate that unity. When you find unity to celebrate it, just this morning as the team that was putting our gathering together, we paused and we prayed. And I mean, I just was grateful for the sense of connection and unity that we had together. And when you find it, you celebrate it. When you find it, you affirm it. When you find it, you call it out and you say, this is what, this is the best of us right here. So look for ways to celebrate community. But then here, here's, this is the, the working part, the doing part. Be ready to work at it. Be ready to work at community. I mean, Paul doesn't mince his words. Make every effort to maintain the unity and the bond of peace. And here, here's something you'll realize. I, I know I have. Unity can be inconvenient. Unity will inconvenience you. Unity will challenge you. Unity will humble you. Unity will force you to discern in a moment. If Jesus prays for our unity, it forces us to discern in a moment what's an essential thing that keeps us together, what's a non-essential thing that keeps us together. We're going to be forced to discern that among each other, in our church, in our mission, as we teach and talk with one another. Some of the ways that God has, uh, you know, led us to express our faith. We have to say, like, what's an essential thing? What's a non-essential thing? And it's going to force us to discern with one another what it means to be the united body. And I can go on and on and talk about unity in the church in Montreal or in Quebec or in Canada or around the world. And that's awesome. I mean, Jesus prayed for that too. But if we can't do it here, let's work at it here. Let's work at it here. I think it's a false unity outside our doors if there's no unity inside our doors. So let's work at it. Another thing we do is, is Paul says, speak the truth in love. This is something we do, not just who we are. We do it because of who we are. So truth can affirm or truth can convict or truth can grow or truth can call out. Following Jesus in community will require honesty and openness and conviction. Speaking the truth in love will often mean that it involves confession and forgiveness, humility to listen, also a humility to speak. I can't tell you how many times I've grown because someone has spoken truth into my life. I don't always like it. Most of the time, you don't love when truth comes into your life unless it's the affirming truth, like you are awesome at this. Oh, thank you for that truth. That's awesome, right? But when it's not that kind of truth, it's more of a confronting truth. Now, to be honest, many of those times, I don't agree with all the things that this person or group is declaring truth, but I have to stop and listen and say, is there truth in here? And even if it's coming from a wrong place, or even if maybe they're off base, is there a kernel of truth in what they're telling me? And I've had to grow from that. 
When I, I grow when someone speaks truth to me, and you grow when someone speaks truth to you. And if you ignore that or not pay attention or don't want to embrace it, you will miss out on growth. So Paul says, speak the truth in love. And when we love and we do that, it, it prevents us from a, from a few things. It, if, I, if I'm doing this out of love or receiving it out of love, it prevents me thinking selfishly with selfish ambition. It, it prevents nitpicking or it prevents silly, a silly kind of venting. It, we share with one another. We're open with each other. We, but sometimes love will prevent us and guard us in what, how we feel and, and how we engage and how we listen and how we even speak. But the last thing we do is this, we serve with our gifts. So Paul says, verse seven, each of us has been given grace. And then Christ gives the church various gifts. But other parts of scripture tells us each of us have a gift. So each of us has been given grace. Verse 12, each of us is equipped for ministry. Verse 16, each of us steward our life and our gifts for the body of Christ. Why? To serve God's mission and to serve each other and to support each other, to serve and support. Ultimately, every ministry that is within the realm of the church is to serve one another and God's mission and to support each other. And as Jesus says, when you love one another, when you serve one another, when you care for one another, and all these one another's just all over the New Testament is all part and parcel of what it means to be the body of Christ as the body of Christ is on mission. And here's what happens. When you discover who you are or who we are and you engage in what we do, the body builds itself up in love. That's what Paul says. When all this comes together, when all this works together, when we discover who we are, that we're a joined together, equipped body on mission, when we um, engage with what we're called to do, to keep the unity and to speak truth in love and to serve one another, when we discover and, and remind ourselves of who we are and, 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 and what we do, that builds the body up and that means that we find strength in community. So who we are and what we do equals strength in community. When the body builds itself up, each of us, each of us grow stronger. Each of us grow stronger. When you build the body up, I grow stronger. When I build the body up, you grow stronger. When we build the body up, we grow stronger. And so here's this call, especially now, you know, some of us are discouraged because we're in this red zone in Quebec and the pandemic has taken a new twist with a second wave or a third wave. I'm not sure which wave we're in, but I want to call you to something, two things. In the middle of this, because like I said, if we go back six months ago, we might say, what could we have done? When's the best time to do that? Well, the first best time would have been six months ago. The second best time would be today. So what are we going to do now in the middle of this? strengthen our spiritual community. I don't just mean like, you know, yes, that means resourcing and giving and praying for the church. I mean, strengthen the body parts, each and every one of us. Let's strengthen each other. And then let's find strength in each other. Let's strengthen spiritual community and then find strength in spiritual community. We're, we need it. We need it. We had posted um, earlier this week, it was on our Facebook page, and I read the article 
after it was posted. And it was this idea of like, like things we can be mindful of in this pandemic. And, and one of the last points of this article, it just demonstrated how the church served people during epidemics in, in world history or in church history. And so think of the first, second century, the church is beginning to grow. Rodney Stark did an incredible book called The Rise of Christianity that helped us understand some of the things that the church was doing in the first, second, and third century. And it was incredible to note, Stark notes this, that during uh, epidemics, he says there was a loss of social relationships in the pagan world during these epidemics. Now, the pagan world in that kind of mindset was like basically everybody, the world, you know, was, was pagan. And then there's this group of, of Christians who were, who were um, you know, growing in the middle of the Roman Empire. Well, it was known historical fact that there was a loss of social relationships in the pagan world during the epidemics, and it was crippling people. And then Stark came to these incredible discoveries as he analyzed these centuries. One was this, the survival of those outside the church. In other words, they only had social connections with other people outside the church. So people that weren't involved in the church or weren't connected to Christ, their survival rate was 49%. The survival rate of those outside the church who had social bonds with these Christ followers that were a pocket within the Roman Empire, their survival rate was 63%. And the survival rate of Christians who had social bonds with other Christians, their survival rate was 81%. In a world when epidemics didn't have vaccines that came about, and when not knowing of like what it meant to be close to someone or not close to someone or seeing people die rapidly with these diseases and sicknesses, incredible to know and to understand, this is just a matter of fact, that those who were outside the church, if they had no social connection with the church, their survival rate was lower. And once they got acquainted and connected and in a sense of even just social connection with this, this, this group of people that were frowned upon by the empire, their survival rate went up. But when the church was a body together, their survival rate grew even more. In the middle of times when the church sacrificed itself to serve the world, or acquired leprosy when they served lepers, or took on a disease when they, when they helped those with diseases, or maybe got sick when they were burying the dead, even in the middle of that, these social connections with the church showed strength. Imagine that happened again today. Imagine there was a stat today that in Quebec, your mental and emotional and spiritual health goes up as you connect with Christians in your neighborhood. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing if someone would look around and, 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 and figure that out? Now, I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying, wouldn't it be amazing if it's true? Shouldn't it be true? And then, wouldn't it be amazing if people said, oh man, there's these people who are within our society, everyday normal people, but we notice that their social connection with, as part of the local church is helping them get through this like no other pocket in our community. There's something about this community that brings strength. And so as we do that, I'm going to encourage you, don't let distance or the lack of face-to-face -face interactions stop you from finding strength in community. 
you can figure out ways to call or text or FaceTime or drive by or really, really be intentional about staying knit together. And then beyond that, be praying for each other, encouraging each other, celebrating one another, supporting each other. I thought about this as we wrap up today. I just think about the, the image of a rope. And uh, many of you, you know, like used a rope for something and you've pulled the rope and it snaps and then you get a thicker rope and a thicker rope and a thicker rope. And then I found this kind of rope and I wish I had like a real version of it with me, but it's just the braided ropes. I mean, even in each individual strand, there's also other strands and then those big strands become part of an even bigger strand. And, and it always amazes me when I see like a ship or some kind of container where these ropes hold these things together. There's a flexibility, there's a strength, there's such a power to it. And that's kind of what I, what I see when I think about who we are and what we're called to do. It's not just one single strand, but it's multiple strands bound together, working together, and there's strength in that. That's how God designed the church to be, and, and that's who we are, and then we're called to nurture that. Let's pray as we take a moment and just prepare our hearts for communion today and think about these things. Yeah, God, we're so grateful that we are the body of Christ, that um, we can know that we're part of your family. It's part of our identity. And maybe some even tuning in with us today, listening, are wondering what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a person of faith, what it means, uh, like, what, what, is, what is it that Christianity uh, brings to the world? And here's one incredible aspect when it's working right. This sense of community, this sense of connection, God, you teach us that when we come to Christ, this is who we are and who we become, a joined together, equipped body of Christ. And God, may we be people, as we, we read these words from the first century to this, this first century church, so equally important for us, God, that we also keep and maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That we nurture the, the oneness we have as the body, the oneness in faith, the oneness in calling Jesus Lord, the oneness in coming under the Father, the oneness in spirit, the oneness in baptism. God, may we nurture this. May we keep the unity. May we speak, learn to speak truth in love. God, for some right now that just have the urge to speak or to speak truth, God, may we not omit the love aspect and may the truth that we speak be your truth and your goodness and your words holistically fully not just one sided not just one slant not just one angle God may we speak truth to one another in love and may we be those because we're equipped by your Holy Spirit with gifts because you've also given gifts to the body to equip the body that we might be people who serve one another who serve the mission together who support each other God as we bring that together we thank you that the body builds itself up in love because Jesus is our head because we're joined together in him and God may we be that kind of people following Jesus united in spirit and faith. How amazing it would be 
today in 2020, in the mess of this crazy year that the world just wants to trash and start all over. Oh God, how amazing it would be if pockets of your church would be viewed as places to gravitate towards than gravitate from. That those who are connected to your church would know the beauty and benefit of spiritual community. And those uh, that are looking into the body of Christ, that they would look in and say, wow, there's strength there. Oh God, we long for that in our own spiritual community, in our church called Westside. We long for that for the pockets of your church around the city and the world, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to just shift slightly to this moment of communion today. And um, just coming off this topic of spiritual community, I want to read this, this quote that I came across earlier this week. It's actually from a theological book on, of all topics, Pauline Dogmatics. Don't even worry about the title of it. But I love how this author, Douglas Campbell, and then uh, David Fitch, who spoke at our church last fall, he paraphrased a little bit. And I think it just fits so well as we, be, as we just approach the elements of bread and wine today. And he says this, the secret of the universe and the point of the whole story that encompasses us all is God's plan to draw us into a community imaged and formed by the resurrected son. Everyone in this community will therefore be a brother and or sister. And our destiny is to be a band of brothers, which is to say a family of siblings in glorious Trinitarian communion. The secret of the universe, the whole point of the story that invites us all is God's plan to draw us into a community that's imaged and created by the resurrected Lord. Man, that all of us, brother and sister, a family of siblings, reflect this Trinitarian communion. And yes, God, we are rooted in our calling. We are rooted in our formation into Christ. We are rooted in the spiritual community. You join us together. We find our strength in that, God. And in these unique days that we find ourselves in, oh God, may we know where our true strength lies. May we know where our true strength lies. For anyone doubting today, anyone wondering, anyone grasping at straws, thinking that they can find strength in escaping here or there or maybe other sources, God, I just pray that you remind us where true strength lies. And may we experience it and then give it away as a gift to the world. In Christ's name. Amen.